welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Sunday Deep Dive episode. It is just me and Ryan today. We do not have Brad on the show. He's on vacation, so we're not doing a Zoom recording, uh, but he will hopefully be back. Don't you all worry. Uh, We're talking Vimeo today. It's going to be a fun one, spun out of IAC. But first, let's talk potential multi-baggers from our friend Chris at From Growth to Value. The aim of the potential multi-bagger service is to find stocks that can go 10x over the next 10 years or compound at about 26% per year. Potential multi-baggers does deep research on the companies behind the tickers. So for every pick that Chris makes, you're going to get five articles together up of 10 or excuse me, 20,000 words, but spread out over several weeks. So you can keep up with a regular cadence, understanding and helping you with your research in the companies you own as well. There's a lot of other stuff. He's always communicating with his team over there. So if you want to become a multi, you can go on Seeking Alpha and look for From Growth to Value. Google potential multi-baggers or From Growth to Value or go to at From Value on Twitter. All right, uh, Ryan, do you want to introduce Vimeo? Yeah, so their mission is to provide professional quality video for all. And so when you think about uh, people have maybe heard of the business before and it used to be something that it is not now. So it's basically a software as a service platform for a comprehensive suite of tools designed to build video. And it's mostly for businesses. Users yeah. like individuals could use it, but it's like more for like entrepreneurs, small businesses, enterprises. And it previously it used to be a YouTube competitor until they kind of bowed out to that race. Correct. Uh, yeah, more of a higher quality video competitor to YouTube and not exactly the same yeah. business model. They used um, to, yeah, they used to be more consumer facing. Now the whole of the business is really for other businesses. Yeah. And so the way it works now is if you go on, you can make a free account or there are different tiers to the subscriptions. Uh, and the subscription provides extra storage space, banner ad free viewing, uh, unlimited channel distribution, private link sharing, and a bunch of other useful stuff. Kind of, it's freemium model where you get a bunch of added good stuff if you have a subscription. And if you're big enough, you kind of need the subscription. Um, but once you've signed up, you've got all you need to create a professional grade video. You can upload your own video. You can and edit it or you can make a totally new one from their templates. They have this basically canvas of like video editing tools. Um, and then there's distribution, so you can put it to wherever you need, whether it's uh, blogs, websites, social media, or uh, con- even connected TVs. Then there's also analytics, uh, and then there's co- collaboration as well. So if you're working on a team and you want to do a part of a video and then you send it on over, uh, or like a private link, someone else can hop in, collaborate, work on it. I kind of think of it like Wix or Shopify, but for video creation. Um, it's a no code, no code solution. Not that, yeah. not that like video editing had that much code in it, but it's really intuitive uh, and anyone can do it. And that's sort of 
their spiel is it, you don't have to be a professional video editor to come in and do this. Anyone can do it. Uh, but a little bit about the history. Vimeo actually has kind of a fascinating uh, background. So it started, as Brett mentioned, a YouTube competitor. And it was actually founded in 2004 by Jake Lodwick and Zach Klein. I think Lodwick actually stepped down like three years after. But immediately after its founding, it was bought by IAC. And if you don't know who IAC is, they're famous for incubating companies and then spinning them out and taking them public, sort of developing them. Uh, and then they also combine a lot of companies. So you think about like Expedia Group, uh, who had a bunch of different travel uh, apps within it. Then there's Lending Tree. Match Group is the most uh, recent one. And now we've got Vimeo. But as I mentioned earlier, it's uh, initially it was do- designed to be like a higher quality YouTube. You could pay, uh, upload more professional grade videos. It was the first fi- video sharing site to support consumer HD. Uh, and so they really had, but within that, they had a great tool set for video building. Uh, but they were just, focused on the demand aggregation part and over time they eventually said and i think it was like five years ago where they said all right we've got it's sort of naturally adapted into this tool where people were building using it for video creation and so then they're like let's leverage that we're not going to be able to compete with youtube we're not going to be able to compete with netflix because they have billions of dollars being poured into this and so uh, they hired anjali sud uh, as the ceo and she, her previous role was the director of marketing uh, and they basically pivoted this b2b SaaS model that it is today uh, and then vimeo was spun off less than two weeks ago so it's brand new to the public markets yeah and if you want more insight into how sud thinks uh the verge had a good i think it was a podcast but you can get it a transcript it's like yeah. 40 50 minutes of audio transcripts kind of how she looks at the business really really fascinating there i'll hit industry landscape competition it's a little difficult for them because you can really divide it into two buckets of what their target market is. One is businesses with more than a few dozen employees who want you know easy in-house video communication. And then there's businesses or people who want to easily produce video for marketing material or content. So uh, you know, like one of our partners on the show, Seven Investing, they use Vimeo a ton. And that's kind of how they do it for their, you know, service side it's not for in- I, I assume they might use it for internal communication as well and, and businesses that do it for marketing might also use it for internal communication but that's kind of an example of professional video that you want going out on your website or any other social platforms and competitors in that space a direct competitor is a small company called restream there's also sprout social which is more for the social aspect managing all your social platforms as a business under one you know, just account, stuff like that, if you're a large company, something like that. And then YouTube is also a competitor in a sense if you, you know, okay, so someone that posts videos on YouTube might also be a customer of Vimeo, but some people just like to think or stick with the YouTube, you know, walled garden approach. I mean, that works well for a lot of people as well. So they're competing with them on that end. You could also argue Zoom, Teams, WebEx, all those type of products are kind of competitors as well. At the enterprise level. At the enterprise, yeah, that's a good point. But slightly different than Vimeo. You could see a lot of companies subscribing to both. Um, And then from an online source, there are 17.6 million businesses just in the US. Vimeo is targeting some of these, but not all. And as Ryan will go into later, 
you know, they're not really close to hitting any market saturation from all these businesses. Yeah, and you could also make the case that they compete with Adobe, uh, but the CEO herself said that it's not really as much of a competitor. Adobe really uses like that. You kind of have to know the software really well, whereas this is for anyone. It's designed to be super intuitive. So anyone within a business can go out and make a video. Yeah. There's a lot of adjacent competitors that might not directly compete with them. It's a little bit complicated, but yeah, I'll get into the management and ownership. And so this was kind of, this is where Brad usually fits in. So this is kind of a tall task for me because there's a complicated ownership structure right now due to the spinoff. And there always is with these IEC deals. Um, so they have a dual class share structure. It looks like T. Rowe Price and Vanguard are both going to have a large chunk of shares, uh, like basically like any other business. Uh, but 88% of the shares outstanding were owned by IEC before the spinoff. But following completion of the listing, those IAC shares receive are going to those IAC shareholders are going to receive 1.62 shares of Vimeo. And right? they already did. Okay, so that's already been done. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, it didn't look like any executives owned a substantial amount of shares, uh, but they have options that they were granted in the spinoff, um, and so compensation kind of looks a little light. When you look at 2020, so uh, Anjali said she's the CEO. She's actually 37. I, I think she has a pretty good vision for the company, and she has kind of a unique route to getting to the CEO role. Uh, it seems a little weird to go from a marketing background to the CEO of what is now B2B software, uh, but she's she's done it well, and people seem to like her. And then her total compensation in 2020 was around 1.2 million, uh, but she got like I said a whole bunch of different options from the spinoff. The CFO is Narayan Menon. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And he was brought on as CFO in 2020, and he was granted a big signing bonus. I think he got more than four million dollars in compensation in 2020. Uh, but before that, he served in various different financial leadership positions at Prezi, which is like that PowerPoint competitor, and Intuit. Uh, and then Joseph. Levin, who is kind of Barry Diller's protege, he's sort of, the, I think he's the CEO at IAC Yeah, right he's now. running IAC, yeah, he's on a 10-year deal, kind of a long-term manager there. So he'll be the chairman of the board following the spinoff. What we saw with, and I don't know how long that's going to last, what we saw with Match Group was after, I think, a year of them being listed on the public markets uh, away from IAC, he stepped down as chairman and just stayed on the board. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens after the spin because we're only about two weeks into that or maybe even less. I'll hit valuation quick. Market cap, $6.77 billion based on the uh, 165.9 million shares outstanding. Now, this may change a little rapidly or I guess rapidly might be the right word or over the next few quarters because there are 26.7 million various IAC, what they call dilutive securities, and this is just various things like stock options, grants, all that stuff, that could turn into Vimeo shares post-merger. So watch out for that. That could increase the market cap quite a bit. Ticker right now is VMEO. Some of the, a lot of the stuff like Coifin and all that stuff haven't had it updated yet, so you might see a blank screen right now, but that's going to be the ticker. Uh, price to sales is 189 Price to gross profit is 26, as Ryan will get into. Margins are pretty high here, but you know, sales ratio is, you know, it's not it's not cheap. And just with this, I was extrapolating last quarter's financials. Just did a simple multiplying it by four to get an ARR. Since this is a subscription business, that might even out. Uh, it might be a little lumpier going into some different years, depending on the seasonality of signing enterprise clients. But I think that's a good 
proxy for, for how the business is doing. Ryan, do you want to hit earnings? Yeah, so I'll go through the 2020 numbers and then the first quarter uh, just so you kind of get like a full picture. But 2020 revenue was $283 million. That was up 45% year over year. They had an operating loss of $41 million. Uh, so their operating margin was negative 14.5% versus I think negative 31% in the year prior. It seems like a company that could certainly be profitable if it chose to or if it chose to cut back on some spending but they had that parent company uh, and the ability to sort of access a lot of capital. So they, you know, used money to invest and grow uh, and weren't afraid to operate a loss doing so. They're basically break even uh, cash flow wise. Uh, And then the first quarter, they had a great quarter. It was 89.4 million in revenue, up 57% year over year, 72% gross margins. They had 5 million in operating losses. And that's shrinking dramatically from the year before. They now have 1.6 million subscribers, up 25% year over year. And average revenue per user is growing 27% year over year. So not only are they signing on more and more businesses, but those businesses uh, are looking, they're paying a lot more, especially enterprise as well. Enterprise net revenue retention rate was over 110% and they grew enterprise clients uh, or enterprise revenue by more than 100% for the third consecutive quarter. All in all, it looks like they're doing really, really well. I think COVID was a year where they saw they said that they saw a boost. Uh, there was a lot more streaming, just adoption generally, and businesses really used it. So, like if you think about Rite Aid speaking to Rite Aid corporate building a video or Rite Aid's HR uh, at the headquarters building a video for their employees on how to like uh, you know deal with different surfaces or deal with customers training, or, yeah, yeah all training. That stuff. Uh, they would use Vimeo for that kind of thing. Um, and that's probably what spurred a lot of the enterprise adoption. Yeah, I'll hit balance sheet quick to finish off the show. I'd say caveat here for any changes post been, you know, there's going to be some stuff that might add up to debt. Uh, IDC, you know, what, however they do it, they're kind of in control of this so they can give Vimeo whatever assets or not they want. Um, I think, uh, don't quote me on that, but, you know, that kind of just reminds me of what happened with Match Group, uh, IAC through, I guess I'd call it just randomly, $3 billion in debt onto Match Group's balance sheet. A lot of investors were upset about that, including ourselves. Uh, but, you know, just watch out for that. Right now, they have $316 million in cash on Vimeo's balance sheet from the latest quarter, $190 million in total liabilities, and $148 million of which is deferred revenue. So extremely light balance sheet. From the liability side, all debt and notes that were due to related parties, which would be IAC, are gone from 2020. So they're really coming in with a clean slate. Honestly, though, it makes me think, you know, looking back at IAC uh, last spring, early summer, that was, in hindsight, one of the fattest pitches um, on the market. If you run the numbers... Yeah, gigantic returns hitting in the hitting in that entity. It's funny because I'm kicking myself thinking like we talked about IAC what three months ago yeah. while Vimeo was planning to go public or planning to spin off, and I looked at it. I was like, I don't really like any specific uh, company under IAC's umbrella. But now that it's spun off, I'm like, oh, this is a great company. Yeah, and the stock popped like 16 percent when the spinoff was announced. IAC's. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It always – I don't know what their tactics are for hiding how good their assets are. But whenever you look at it from the IAC standpoint, you kind of always think, eh, these businesses look fine. 
you know, but when then they spin off, you're like, whoa, or they give out those financials. You're like, wow, these businesses are actually really good, really well managed, yeah. usually have great unit economics. But all right, that's going to do the first half of the show. We'll take a break and then talk competitive advantages, highlights and lowlights, all that stuff. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Next up, we're going to have anecdotal evidence, customer stories. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this? Ever used it? You've probably yeah. seen the videos on other sites. I built an account, so I am a registered user. Shareholders, you are welcome. <laughs> yeah, pump up those numbers, freemium users. Uh, but it was very intuitive, very easy. I felt like we could have used it for the Arch Capital website, which yeah. we have, like some sort of promotional video. Think uh, of it similarly like 7investing. They use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. it's it seemed super easy, uh, and it really did feel like anyone could do it, and it was free, uh, but you can upgrade to the premium stuff and if we were using multiple videos, then we probably would. Yeah, and then I don't have any personal experience. I didn't sign up for the site. I mean, you're seeing it on more and more company websites, which just makes sense with their usage growth. Um, it never seems to be buggy. It's kind of like that is their huge value proposition where a lot of people's internal videos doing stuff like Zoom recordings and just trying to upload that, a lot of the times it doesn't look that great. Vimeo stuff usually looks pretty crisp. They, I guess it'd be a good definition. Yeah, it's also kind of funny because on every investor relations press release or anything like that, they do a Vimeo mm-hmm. video that's like they added got it. with it. They got it. So they're just, you know, they're hyping up their own numbers. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, they count as a customer. Um, I would say, though, a lot of online reviews are bad. Some of it was just from people getting banned for doing like racist or, you know, kind of stuff like that. So there were, I think those reviews, if you see any star ratings online, those are a little skewed from people that are angry uh, for getting like shut down. But I don't know. That's something to watch out for because some of the reviews weren't that great. Okay. Um, all right. Competitive advantages. Ryan, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I said scale to some extent. So Anjali said, the CEO, she mentioned this in that Verge interview, uh, and it's growing to be a more competitive market. And so she said that the depth of their solution is it's more comprehensive than what a lot of competitors have. And I think she's right uh, from distribution to creation to collaboration to the analytics tools. Yeah, Not maybe, yeah I'd maybe that. check out Restream, see if that's like way worse, something like that. Kind of check that out. They only have like 60 employees, uh, what they listed online. So Yeah, and then beyond that, they've been doing this for, what, 16 years? Obviously, it hasn't been the same business models, but they have a lot of – they're the established player. They have a lot of customers, and so they're allowed to be the low-cost provider which is a huge advantage to them. And then Anjali said, said this. She said, if we had lower customers, we wouldn't be able to charge the cheap prices that we do right. and still uh, reap the benefits or at least see profits from it. Uh, also, they are an agnostic platform. So when you look at it compared to like a YouTube, they're not one-dimensional. You can easily just embed it to just about anywhere on the internet. Yeah, YouTube. Yeah, any devices. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We work YouTube a little bit uh, and, well, Brady's, uh, Brady's the one that does it uh, a lot, but I kind of realized that when you're working with YouTube, it's mainly focused to get you to you know, help with your YouTube videos, not for any other distribution. Vimeo can help you distribute 
to even your own website, other stuff, and all other social social platforms like YouTube. You can like embed links, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. But the monetization aspect is really being funneled through YouTube. There's not like subscriptions or anything like that, or like pay yeah. per video. Because there is some on-demand stuff that Vimeo is used for, for, like movies, like little skits and stuff like that. I don't know if you ever remember the. It might still be out there. There's like a VOD video or Vimeo on demand. Oh right, right, right. It's kind of like a. I wouldn't call it a Netflix competitor, but it's got some interesting stuff. Had yeah. some. Yeah. All right. I'll hit, I'll hit mine. I had the freemium model, so we're big fans of this kind of trying to get as many users as possible. I was kind of thinking about it. A lot of companies we own either if they're consumer or business, have pivoted to a freemium model. I mean, you just think of like video game companies. They've done that a lot as well. So Vimeo has 200 million registered users, I guess 200 million one, now that Ryan's on, versus only a small (laughs) amount of paid subs. And 60% of paid users start out as free. At first look, I'm thinking of it very similarly to someone like Wix or MongoDB. They try to get their products into as many consumers as possible, even if they're not gonna pay for something right now. But if they start a business in the future, they're going to know I'm gonna use Vimeo if I'm gonna do promotional or internal video tools. It just, yeah. It's, don't stick to that 200 million number because a lot of them are probably basically dead, not dead. Yeah, I mean, they're not gonna get get 200 million paid anytime soon. But it makes conversion that much easier versus competitors. Yep, exactly. That was, those are my thoughts as well. All right, future growth opportunities. Ryan, uh, what do you have? Uh, so they have a product called Showcase. And so this product or feature, I guess, allows content creators to build customized channels or sites. Uh, and if you subscribe to Pro, which is $20 a month or any of the higher tiers, you can build connected TV apps. So in 2019, they said they were working on live streaming classes also. I don't know if that got done but if you think about it if you're like a yoga instructor or something like that and you want to you can record upload to vimeo upload to that connected tv app your students can follow along they can pay for that and it can can all be done through vimeo yeah and it can be on your tv instead of having to subscribe on like your phone or your computer or some website which makes it a lot more difficult if you can do that sort of home fitness thing on your tv it almost makes it it's kind of for like those yoga, I mean, there's more than just yoga instructors or whatever, you know, it's kind of puts you in a competitive advantage versus the gyms that you may be trying to uh, steal customers from. Definitely. And just the growth of CTV overall, because I think them having that easy embed uh, and having the good relationships with Roku and Fire TV, uh, give them good inroads to ride the tailwinds of that. Yeah, definitely has a strong tailwind there. That's still early days. I don't think it's a big part of their business now, but there's some potential there. Um, it'll be something to watch out for if you are an investor in Vimeo. I'll, I'll hit mine. It's something that, Ryan, you mentioned earlier, enterprise revenue. It's the segment that management talks up the most, and it's growing the quickest right now. They drop a lot of big companies, Amazon, Spotify, New York Times, San Antonio Spurs, if I'm remembering correctly, a ton of different enterprises big ones too are using Vimeo. Revenue was up 100%, like Ryan mentioned in Q1, and retention rate was 110% or net revenue retention rate, which includes revenue growth. This makes sense to me as this is kind of their biggest market opportunity where they're not really competing with anyone or anyone very big. Uh, And during the pandemic, it definitely gave them a boost. You could see them hitting the middle of the S-curve right now on the growth rate and the adoption of trying to get really good crisp quality video for internal business communications stuff like that yeah and 
if you're thinking like, well, those enterprises obviously have the developers to be able to build an easily easily embedded video uh, with, within the company. It, just, yeah, they do, yeah. but it's so cheap to just do it. That, like if someone from HR wants to send a video to various different departments, they can just use Vimeo because it's the easiest possible solution. They don't have to. They don't need developers, and it's not worth yeah. the developers' time. I mean, Amazon could do it very easily. I mean, they got some of the best developers in the world at AWS, yeah. thousands of them. I mean, they could easily do it, but, yeah, you're just talking about ROI on time spent and the cost it takes to build it versus subscribing for a very, fairly low-cost enterprise plan and, with Vimeo. And it only takes one, like, let's say it happens in one part of the organization, one person adopts it uh, within a large enterprise, it kind of has network effects within that organization where it's like, oh, we used Vimeo for that, whatever, why don't you just sign up and yeah. then you've got additional seats. Or yeah, you'll save time on your next presentation, it'll look better, you should use this, we'll, we'll start, we'll get everyone subscribed on that. All right, uh, highlights and lowlights here, what are your thoughts, Ryan? I think just about every business in the world could use video uh, in one way or another, and Vimeo has those 200 million registered users, which creates, in my opinion, easier easier conversion. I think the economics are obviously good, especially as they reach scale. Them being allowed, them being able to be the low cost provider is great. Um, also, I think the enterprise adoption is a bit of validation for the platform. My lowlights, though, is. And the CEO talked about this. Not only do they have to market Vimeo uh, or market the product, they have to basically eliminate what people used to think of Vimeo because right, right. They, there's this concept that it's this YouTube competitor. And so if that's your idea, people might be deterred by that if you're just someone in a business or someone starting out small. So you kind of have to uh, get rid of that uh, concept and turn it into this B2B SaaS platform. Also, I think a lot of people like to pattern match with all of IAC's previous spinoffs where it's, oh, they've been huge successes. And I think Expedia's, I believe they've been a success. But before, a yeah, I mean, they've kind of had some disruptive worries the last few years, but that was a long time ago that the spinoff happened. Yeah, and I think they've had 11 total spinoffs into the public markets. And it's easy to say this is the next great one, um, but it's obviously not the same. I think a lot of investors are kind of just making it. I think this market could be a little more fragmented than people might think it'll be. There's a potential for that. Uh, you know, we talk about the network effect, of, or not really the network effect. I think that's the wrong term. The virality of getting within organizations, that's definitely a benefit, but it's not extremely hard to build this if you spend time doing it. You know, we mentioned that Amazon is, you know, probably has their own internal tool for video, but, you know, so it just shows us other competitors can pop up. There might be margin pressure, competitive pricing pressure, stuff like that. I also question, they talk about being a low-cost provider, but being a low-cost provider has gone out the window with venture capital dollars allowing you to create losses. And we've seen that with... Sustained losses. Yeah. I mean, if you can constantly get money from venture capital you don't have to be profitable which requires you not to have to raise your prices so it's kind of just maybe maybe it's only recently it hasn't been this huge advantage uh, for a lot of public companies it seems like yeah. that's kind of that you could I don't be have right. any stats for that, but yeah, you, you could be right there. I think those lowlights are something to consider. I'm not exactly sure if they're going to be true, but we'll see. 
Um, my highlights, great unit economics, like you mentioned. They're coming from IAC with a strong track record. Management looks great. Uh, long runway for growth. Minimal competition currently. Uh, and then, again, we'll mention Amazon again. The fact that even Amazon uses it, I think, shows the strong value proposition for Vimeo's products or any product like it for basically all businesses that want to do video communication. Lowlights, I'm worried about the one-time pandemic bump. So it's a subscription business, so it's not like they're going to start having revenue decline unless churn totally picks up. But I'm worried that they may see slightly higher churn over the next few years and slower adoption with their products. They mentioned that they think they're right in the middle of a huge adoption trend, so it could be the opposite here, and I'm not sure where I lean either way, but that's something I would think about maybe, or, you know, it, it, it could occur where the, this could have been a huge bump, kind of where people argue about Peloton and Zoom, where that growth rate might not be as high as people think over the long term, but uh, I'm not sure if I'm right there. Yeah, it's. I guess it's possible, but... I would argue that there are a lot of investors right now that are skeptical of, or they think reopening means there's going to be all these like reversions in yeah. trends that we've seen. I tend to fade that take – or I, I am now, I guess. Yeah. I and I would say companies leveraging video for marketing, companies leveraging video for whatever to get your story across is going to be sustained. Yeah. Yeah. I just – you know, I guess it's not really a part of the business, but it's, it's more of the valuation there. But overall, it's really hard to find low bites here. I had to kind of yeah, press myself to find a few here. Um, all right, let's wrap things up. More or less interested? More interested. Obviously, the valuation is not great. Um, yeah. That's – it's probably going to be a, a no for now. Uh, but stay on the watch list, and it's not just one of the watch lists where I never look at it again. It's something that I'm, I guess, waiting for a better entry price. Yeah, same here. I think I'm in a agreement. Uh, more interested. Business looks really sound. Not much to complain about. I know we'll have to watch out for stock comp. You know, you have to watch out for share count. But I mean, that valuation it's hard. I mean, you could get it could get down to you know they're not growing at 100. percent They're they're not even guiding for that. They're growing for about 30 percent growth rate over the next five years, which, you know, is great, but we'll, what kind of free cash flow margins are you going to get? I'll, I'll blah, blah, blah. We don't need to get into that. It seems yeah. like we're you're going to see some multiple compression, which is fine, but it's kind of tough to see that balance. Valuation is, it's really tough here. There's, yeah, I have no problem with them losing money. That, that's, no, that's fine. fine. I mean, they have that deferred revenue too. It's going to make it look worse than their actual cash generation is. Yeah, they just might have to spend more on OpEx the more competitive the market gets or sales and marketing expenses the more competitive the market gets. And they've said, uh, the CEO has said this before, it's it, it's an attractive industry, so there's a lot of people that are trying to compete. Mm -hmm. um, so that might hinder a little bit of operating leverage. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess if that sustained S&M, if S&M spend stays high, that will be true. Uh, but the flip side is that if you're on a subscription business like this, you can be more confident in the, all right, we're going to go at break even for now. And then hopefully we're going to start printing cash in the future. Making that bet is harder. And I typically don't like to make that bet at a high valuation. Um, it's a bit counterintuitive where a lot of people are like, well, they're growing so fast and they're burning right now and they will be profitable in the future. So I'm going to pay a high sales ratio for something. 
I kind of come on the other, other side where, you know, you know, maybe we want a more reasonable evaluation if they haven't proved profitability. Yeah. But with a subscription business versus something that's more one-time purchases, infrequent purchases, you can be more confident, I think. I'd like to see like a churn this. number. Yeah, they, uh, I, they may have some in their investor day. I forget it off the top of my head. I think I it's pretty low, but yeah, definitely would love to see some churn numbers. All right. Well, my stock for next week is going to be Logitech. Okay. Hitting on the uh, – we did Corsair with Ian, so we're hitting right into the gaming equipment market. We'll do one with Brad, huh? Yeah. So it'll be uh, – it's it's gaming equipment. It's kind of – it's been a beneficiary of COVID in a big way because of remote work. They provide, provide a lot of the hardware for it, keyboards, cameras, that kind of stuff. So um, not just gaming. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of take a look at that. All right. Should be fun. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to check out Potential Multibaggers. Thank you to them, to Chris, for supporting the show. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.